Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. So every one of us are living in a body that doesn't always work. Do I need to explain more? It, it's, it's just a fact. Even when you're young, from the first injury I had playing sports, I'm like, whoa, well, that's not fun. And it's, it's been continual. And so there's a, there's a question based on what Danny taught last week and did an amazing job. I got to hear the first service uh, last Sunday on, on the stream. And let, welcome, those of you who are streaming. Man, aren't you glad we have an opportunity to be able to connect with this group and to be able to connect with the Word, whoever is teaching, uh, wherever you are and wherever you may be. I just thank you for being here and being a part of the stream. So when he said that Jesus walked out of the grave, and there were people who are a witness of that, and he established the truth. Yes, Jesus is raised from the dead. Our faith matters. He is alive and well today. Can we give thanks just for that truth? That's a truth that we can count on. A lot of things I don't know. And a lot of stories I'm not sure about. But that story, I know. Now what Paul does today is take it one step. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? What about our body? If Jesus was raised in bodily form, which he was, what does that mean for me, for you? When that moment comes, when, when we meet him in death or we meet him when he comes, I mean, whichever way, what will we have? It's a natural question that follows, and that's exactly where we are. And it's the verse that I want you to turn to. It's in chapter 15, 1 Corinthians, verse 35. What's fascinating to me about chapter 15 is that he has talked to a church about all kind of stuff. He's talked about sexual immorality. He's talked about how to get your stuff together in worship. He's talked about lawsuits. I mean, he's talked about all kind of just simple, practical things. And then all of a sudden, he ends the letter with a story of re resurrection. Now, chapter 16 is really the last chapter, but it's more of a greeting. It's very typical for Paul to write a chapter where he is just reminding them of something, or, or basically he's saying, hey, greet them and greet them. And it's kind of like our letters or notes or emails or whatever you close with a, hey, thank you, God bless you, whatever. But the last chapter he wrote that would be intended for content to teach and to remember is Jesus is raised from the dead. So why do you think it was written? Why do you think he all of a sudden turned to this chapter? I think it's simply because it changes everything. Everything we believe is built on the fact there's an empty tomb. If Jesus can beat death, there's nothing in your life he can't defeat. It gives incredible hope to all of us. 
Now, I, I make sure you know, he wasn't the first one to be raised from the dead. You remember some others? Lazarus. I mean, Lazarus, John 11, is one of the most powerful moments. He'd been dead four days, and Jesus calls him out, and he walks out of a tomb. I mean, it was a cool moment. But guess what? Lazarus died again. He's not walking around. If you see him at Starbucks on Kirkman, let me know. I want to make sure I get a chance to talk to him. He's not with us. No one who has been raised from the dead is with us, or at least they're not going to face death again. So really, what Jesus did for us, and he's the only one, he beat death. He destroyed death. He tore it apart. He ripped it apart so that you and I don't have to be afraid to die. We know what's coming. We know what's going to happen. And it's an incredibly beautiful thing. Can we give praise that he defeated death? The only one. The only one. So we're going to work our way starting in verse 35. Let me tell you how he starts it. You see these beautiful flowers. I asked him to get me some flowers, and I asked him to get seeds. I said, now, it doesn't matter. Whatever is blooming right now, I don't, I don't know that world as well as others. I want you to know they went and got flowers called impatience. <laughs> is there a message they're trying to send me? These are impatience. This is the packet of seeds. I don't know if you can see it. These are the seeds. Can I just tell you, this is what you look like today. But because of the resurrection, this is what you're going to look like one day. Paul says this seed wasn't meant to stay like this. This seed dies and is buried, and then all of a sudden God does something amazing. And he begins his whole story of talking about the hope. So I want you to think about it. And these are starting to (laughs) wilt a little. We won't wilt one day. We will be perfect. We will be absolutely perfect. But this is where we are today. So a lot of people evaluate God. They make decisions on Jesus. They make decisions on this book based on here. Why don't you wait Why don't you start looking at what it says about there? Because the point of what Paul is saying is, hey, the best is coming. The best is yet. And he gives us hope as he writes these final verses in chapter 15. And I'm going to put a a diagram up that will make it hopefully easier to understand. But let me read with you. And you've got your Bible open. If If you have it, follow along. Verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body do they come, with what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Let me just pause. No farmer that I've ever known, and I've known some farmers who raise soybeans, rice, corn, those kind of things. They never weep when they're sowing seed. Mm -mm. They weep when it doesn't come up. That's when the weeping happens. But when they sow the seed, no. 
They sow it with great hope. Why? Because they know there's something coming. So for us today, Paul is wanting to say, be encouraged. Seed dies. He brings life. You foolish person, it, it doesn't come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that it is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he's chosen. And to each kind of seed, its own body. For not all flesh is the same. There's one kind for humans, another kind for animals, another kind for birds, another kind for fish. There are heavenly bodies, there are earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. Now, what he just said, let me show you a, a diagram. We will be same but different. Same but different. There are two little words in Greek that appear in there. One of them is same, one of them is different. And what he's saying is there are different types of bodies. In other words, there's animals, there's fish, there's angels, there's earth. Everything that God has created will continue in its nature. It'll be the same, but it's different. What's the main point of that? You're not going to come back as a dog. You're not going to turn into an angel. You're not going to turn into a cloud, or you're not going to come back as earth or, or in a tree or whatever. Now, that is a very common thought in a lot of religious ideas and a lot of worldviews. They teach that, that we will come back as something. I'll tell you what we're coming back as. We're coming back as a human, and he created us that way, and we will stay that way. But it will be different. So what he's about to move into, he's about to move into, we're in a perishable body right now, but one day it won't perish. So watch what he does. After he first says, hey, it's going to be the same but different. You're not turning into some other object. You're going to stay the same, but it's going to be different. Now, verse 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. But it's raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. And the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first. It's the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven and was as was the man of dust. So also are those who are of the dust and is and as is the man of heaven, we also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall bear the image of the man of heaven. He's teaching this beautiful principle of the, the same but different. And here's how it's different, okay? 
First of all, we're perishable. We're going to be imperishable. That is a word that means decay. Let me show you what he's talking about. How many of you have anything on your body or in your body that's hurting? Raise your hand. That's what he's talking about. You are in a world of decay. You are not going to live forever. This world is not our home. First song I ever sang in public. I'm not about to sing it now. But the first song I ever sang in public, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And I, I went on and I began to think about my home is where? It's in heaven. And the whole song says that. The angels beckoned me from heaven's open door and, and I just can't feel at home in this world anymore. And that was just an old song that I remember singing in a service in a little country church. But it's reminded me throughout the years that we are here for a little while, not long. And while we're here, we are living in a world that is decaying, a world that was made perfect. In fact, you were we were created in Adam to be perfect without death. And then what happened? Sin entered. A serpent showed up. And the choice of Adam and Eve to rebel against God and his plan introduced is like just like Pandora's box, introduced death into the world. That's why early in Scripture you see people living 969 years. Today we're thankful if God gives us 80. What happened? It's called sin. It's called a broken universe, a broken world. And the effects of sin over time just take away. So this seed is <laughs> rough. And for some of us who've been through health challenges, it's... <laughs> It's a great reminder that, hey, it's, it's going to be fixed one day. It's going to be fixed. Right now, cortisone will get me through on this knee, but one day he's going to fix it once and for all. One day he's going to make all things new, and we will have something that never fails. Will it be physical? Yes. When Jesus walked out of the grave, was he physical? Yeah. Did they see him? Yes. Could they touch him? Yes. Well, how do we know he was physical? Because he ate fish. He ate bread. I mean, he was physical. But yet there was something different about him. So, yes, we will have a body that is still of a physical nature in the sense of what we've known. But it will be imperishable. No more decay. No more struggle. So, as you think about this, I want you to think about it from this perspective. Go home today, look in the mirror, and say, God, thank you, because it's as good as it's going to get. Today's your best day. <laughs> Tomorrow, you're going down a little bit. The next day, you're going down a little bit more. And if you don't believe me, just go look in the mirror. It's a very kind of pessimistic thought. No, it isn't. It's a great thought. It gives me hope. Why? Because I know it's not going to be this way forever. And especially this next one, mortal and immortal. You know what mortal means? 
there's an end. There's an end. Guys, we weren't made to live forever here. We know that there's a, there's a time coming. And even our bodies tell us we're, our bodies are groaning for like there's something. The earth is groaning, according to the Scripture, for the Lord to come and to change everything and remove the scars of sin and the evidence of sin. But, man, I tell you, when it hits you is when you, when you lose somebody unexpectedly. When you lose someone unexpectedly, it's almost like, what happened? You realize nobody's gotten out of here alive, right? We're all going to die. And yet sometimes we think it's not going to happen to us. And I see even among the body of Christ so much fear of death and so much fear of, <laughs> you may not be like George Burns, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. I, neither do I. But I'm not afraid of death. That's why Jesus what he did, what he did what he did, and that's why Paul is trying to tell us. In this life, you're mortal. In this life, there's an end. But in the next, li next life, there's no end. Can you imagine being in a life where there is no end? How long is eternity? How long is that? I had a guy try to explain it one time, and he says, if a seagull picked up a, a piece of sand, just a grain of sand in New Smyrna, and flew all the way to San Diego and deposited that grain of sand, picked up a grain of sand there and flew all the way back to New Smyrna. By the time it takes that seagull to move every grain of sand on the east coast to the west coast, the west coast to the east coast, eternity will have just begun. We can't think in terms like that. I appreciate the attempt. We can't think of in terms like that. But what Paul is trying to say is there is that day coming when you will live forever. And you will not just be a natural body. You will be a spiritual body. Now, I, I want to talk about this. How, if we have a body and if, and if we're aware of one another, which we know we're going to be aware of one another. In this moment, when this all happens, and he'll explain that in a minute. How old are we going to be? I get that question all the time. Are we going to be like a young or old or whatever? I don't know. I just know we're going to be perfect. I've had people tell me we're going to be 33 just like Jesus was when he died. Okay. Do you remember 33? I remember 33. I wasn't perfect, but I remember 33. It, it, it doesn't matter. We're trying to, we're trying to take this and, and drop it into a world that can't possibly comprehend that we're going to be perfect I can tell you this every time I dream of a family member I've lost a mom and a dad I've lost some great friends and every once in a while I'll dream about one of those friends that I've lost and maybe you've had this happen here's what my testimony would be again it's just my story in all of my dreams they never look old in fact, the first time I dreamed of my mom, I was in Rome, and I was standing. Uh, it was the night before. I wasn't standing. The night before, I dreamed of her, and I couldn't figure out why, and then the next day, I got to go down into the prison cell of Paul. And when I saw her, she looked beautiful. 
She doesn't look like she did the night I saw her in that hospital bed as she was withered away. She looked perfect. I dreamed of another church member the other day that we lost, and, and they were perfect. Now, I'm not saying my dreams <laughs> don't take that as gospel. No, no, because I've had some that I promise you were not the gospel. But I do think there's perfection. We will be immortal. We will have a spiritual body. And what is, what is the reference? The first Adam and the second Adam. Adam came from what? What did he make Adam from? Dust. Jesus came, and he was not of dust as much as he was of life-giving spirit. So in this beautiful combination, yes, there, there's a sense in which we all came from the dust, but then because of Jesus Christ, we have now the spirit of God living in us. And so the hope is, is that we are going to have and be a spiritual body. Jesus, remember, could go anywhere, anytime. He could go through doors. You know what I think heaven's going to be? I think you can go anywhere you want. I think you can just think it and you're there. I always like to dream that I can fly. I really do. It's, it's a fun thing. I just take off running and somehow it happens. Well, in heaven, it's going to happen. Because we're not bound by anything that is natural. We are literally living the life we've dreamed of. And so for me, this gives me hope. And it all happens in a moment. In a moment. The word, the last word, glorious. I want you to look at how he describes this moment. And by the way, a couple of things. I believe that in one moment, this becomes reality. This is not a phased-in thing. We're not talking about over a long period of time. No, no, we're talking about a moment. Watch what he says about it. One moment, it happens. Now, does that mean that we can't try our best to live here and, and be, yeah, because we have a body now and we've got a life now and we're supposed to use this life to glorify him. And so I would encourage you, do everything you can to take care of yourself. Be healthy, but don't be frustrated. Don't lose hope. Last year, Americans spent $16 billion on elective cosmetic surgery. $16 billion. You know how much was spent on weight loss? $173 billion. That's a lot of money. I think you ought to take care of yourself. I think you ought to do whatever you need to do to be healthy. But don't get discouraged. Because one day, you will be made whole. And did you know on that day, you will be glorious. It'll be the first time in your life you'll be completely who God created you to be. We've never known that because there's always sin involved, both people around us, the world around us, and even in us. But one day we are set free from that. So read with me how that moment happens. Verse, the next verse. If I can find it. Verse 50. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. 
We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will all be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body put on immortality. When that happens, when the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then will come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your, your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let the church say amen. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, it's going to happen. So here's a quote. You tell me who said this. It doesn't matter what is. What matters is what it will become. I mean, Paul Another disciple, another apostle, any guesses? Dr. Seuss. So children, what is is not as important as what will be. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, do you know what the word moment is in Greek? It's the word from which we get Adam. Not A-D-A-M, A-T-O-M. The smallest just splits. I, I don't even know how, how do you describe nanosecond. I mean, how, whatever term describes it. In a moment, we're going to be changed. And those that are dead at the last trumpet. Now, there's references in here to that moment when he will gather his church. Now, some of you believe it will be. A rapture. Some of you believe it will be him coming and establish his kingdom at that time. Some of you believe it's some other variation. You guys, it doesn't matter how you believe it. It's a moment that all of us know is going to happen. And in that moment, what happens? He changes us. If you've already passed, you're dead in Christ, you've been buried, what happens? You're raised. And that body all of a sudden that was perishing becomes imperishable. And those who are alive, they're changed in that same moment. So let's talk about that, just practically speaking for a moment. What, so if, if, I was, if somebody was cremated, what happens? God puts it all together because we're all going back to ashes anyway. This body, it was never built to last forever. This body is going back to the earth from which it came. But he will change it in that moment. And we will be changed. And all of a sudden, those of us who are alive, or I pray I will be alive when the Lord returns, but if not, I'll see you when he does. And so he will change us all. Why? Because the grave lost. Death cannot hold you. Death cannot keep you. That grave, that place that we call the end, the grave, a hole in the ground or a box or whatever it is, it's not your resting place. It's not home for you. He's prepared a place for you. And he will all of a sudden change us to be ready, to be fit for that so that we're immortal, so that we live forever with him. And so what he says is death is swallowed up in victory. You know what? That's an Old Testament. In fact, both of the verses that we read 
in, in verse 54 and 5. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? You know who said that? That's from the Old Testament. That's the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Hosea. They both prophesied that one day God was going to end death. One day he was going to defeat death. 700 years before Jesus came, the prophet said one day he's going to defeat death. So now we have hope. Live with hope. Live with hope. I mean, now we have this hope and that hope changes the way we live. It lets us know that every day sin has been beaten. We have a hope and we have a life now that we should live in light of what Jesus did when he walked out of the grave and what he's going to do. So death has been defeated. Sin, the sting of death is sin. What does that mean? It means that sin is how death got here anyway. And that'll be done. Why? Jesus came to forgive sin and defeat sin as well as death. So as Vance Havner once said, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And all of a sudden, we live. We live now, and we live with the hope that that day is coming. So hope means everything, and how we should live now. He closes with probably one of the greatest verses. It's kind of like a benediction. Therefore, verse 58, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. When you see the word therefore, it means because of all that he's just said in chapter 15, we can be steadfast immovable. You know what steadfast means? The Greek words, I'll show you what it means. It means to sit down. Quit running around. Trust him. Just relax. Keep doing what you need to do. Be steadfast, immovable, not constantly moving with every little wind of doctrine, every wave that comes along. No, just sit down and rest in him. Because he said, it's not going to be in vain. Abounding in the work of the Lord. Abounding, meaning extravagantly the same way he loved you. It's going to matter when Jesus shows up. When that moment comes and we're changed and there he is. I promise you, everything you've ever done for him matters. He saw it all. The first job I ever had was working for a veterinarian. I thought I wanted to be a vet. And so I got a job, 16 years old, working for a vet. He was just opening his practice. I was friends with his family. And, and it was kind of slow at first, trying to get a practice started. And we'd have some large animals that we'd have to go and take care of, and then some would bring small animals to us. But when there was a break, <laughs> I had a really bad habit of, and we lost this vet actually last year. He passed away. He was one of the most wonderful men. I would go and tell the staff, hey, I'm going to crawl under his desk and take a nap. If he comes, wake me up. Don't let me be sleeping when the doc comes back. 
And so I'd crawl up under his desk. They were, his daughter reminded me of this recently. I'd crawl up under his desk. I'd take a nap. And then all of a sudden I'd hear, David, David, wake up. Doc's coming. And I'd get up and act like I'd been working the whole time. He was gone. Can I just tell you, the Lord sent me this morning to tell you one thing. Wake up. Jesus is coming. You will be changed, and it will be worth it all. Can we give thanks to the Lord and praise? Thank you for that hope. So I know death was arrested. Everything changed. And you know how it changed? Not because of what I did. It's because of what Jesus did. So when we celebrate and we sing this song, Death Was Arrested, I want you to remember this. Because of his body broken, because of his blood that was shed, we now have victory over death. If you've never put your trust in Christ, if you've never said, Jesus, I believe you are the way and the truth and the life. Can, can we just pause for a moment before we take this cup? Can we just bow our heads and, and even if you're uh, on the stream, just take a moment. None of this would be possible if it wasn't for Jesus. Our entire hope of this life and the life to come is built on Jesus Christ. And if you've never followed him, if you've never put your trust in him, you're missing all that he said. And I want you to trust him. I want you to call on him. I want to lead you in a prayer. And if you want to say this prayer out loud or just from your heart, I just pray it will be something you mean. Say this, Jesus, a lot of things I don't understand. But one thing I do. You loved me enough to come for me. And you died on a cross, not for your sin, but for mine. And Jesus, I want to say thank you. And I want to receive your forgiveness and I want to follow you. Because I believe you walked out of a grave. And one day, I will too. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.